0: we girls ladies and gents welcome to another episode of clutch conversations it's your boy mike we are back at you one more again live on a thursday night man i hope y'all feeling good man how you doing how you feeling how you feeling i know i'm feeling good man y'all ready to do this i know i am man ready to kick it with the homie kai from lucas Landon Rolls. but first and foremost man you know how we do shout out to my lovely wife Takara always holding us down in the comments and holding the team down in general y'all make sure y'all show us some love in the comments man drop something drop some love in the comments i appreciate it appreciate it also show the channel some love hit that like button if you haven't already subscribed definitely hit that subscribe button and everybody make sure you hope smash that notification bell so you can get notifications every time we drop a video For the audio-only game, audio recorders of Clutch Conversations are now available on all major podcasting platforms, so make sure you go check it out. You can check it out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more, so make sure you go out there and check that out. When you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out. We really appreciate the feedback. We really appreciate the support speaking of support if you're involved in this reptile hobby in any shape form or fashion make sure you're supporting us arc and USARC florida the links for both organizations are in the description of this video if you're not a member please go grab a membership if you're able to donate donate what you can and definitely spread the word word encourage everybody who is involved in this hobby to join USARC. we need as much uh as many members as possible so definitely make sure you go out there and help support the organizations that are fighting to protect our rights as reptile keepers so definitely tell a friend tell a friend tell a friend keep the word going spread the word got a lot of folks in the chat that i want to say what's up to do some shout outs chat going crazy starting from the top legends what's good thanks for coming out Vickers Exotics in the building. Thanks for coming out. Eric, what's good, homie? Thanks for coming out. 905 Royals, Vern in the building. What's good? Thanks for coming out. The big homie, Kike, Boza Balls. Thanks for coming out, homie. Let's see who else we got. Dylan, what's good? Kajus Constrictors, thanks for coming out. Frankenstein Morse, thanks for coming out. Low Life Exotics Tom, thanks for coming out, bro. earns Exotics, thanks for coming out. And if it's your first time, please uh subscribe. Y'all definitely hit that like button, hit that notification bell. Appreciate it. Jeremy, what's good, bro? Thanks for coming out. PA in the building. Scooters, Serpents. What's good? Thanks for coming out, fam. We got the guest in the chat showing love. Kai, what's good? The big homie whiz in the building again. What's good, bro? Thanks for coming out, fam. Who else we got? Man, chat going crazy. I'm trying to make sure I get everybody. Bosa, what's good, bro? Thank you. Appreciate the super chat. Pied and joy reptiles. Thanks for coming out. What's good? What's good, Elias? What's good, bro? Thanks for coming out. Appreciate you. Appreciate all the support. We're going to bring the guests out in just a second, but first, let's kick this intro. Baby, baby, won't you listen to me? I got that flavor. I know you're dying to feed. I ain't no dancer. Just got some hip in my feet, Not throw your hands up Ooh. You bring the lighter, I got the fuse You make a fire, I'll add the fuel While I'm just watch the shoes Episode fifty seven, Lucas Landon Royals. What's good, bro? What's good? How's it going?
1: Hey, how's it going, Mike?
0: Good man, good man. How you feeling?
1: Pretty good, pretty good. Let's do this. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Been looking forward to it all week. Shout out to Creative Royals. Appreciate it, Elias. Appreciate the super chat, man. I really appreciate y'all's support, man. It's all love, man. I definitely really appreciate it. Appreciate it. It means a ton, man. Welcome to the show, man. Good to have you on the show, man.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Yes,
0: sir. So uh, for those that don't know, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do.
1: All right. So uh, my name is Kai. A lot of people think my name is Lucas because of the brand name. Lucas Landon are my kids. And then of course, Royals stands for ball pythons. And I purposely made that name because I wanted to you know, have an activity for the whole family and also to be focused on ball pythons because I know my mind can wander and go onto other species, which kind of already has. Uh, but I mainly breed ball pythons and I do it in PVC enclosures that I build myself and I have videos of building and creating the PVC racks and then all the clutches and everything, so you guys can check out my channel. I do all my clutches, being very transparent with all my breedings. So you know, there's no question about you know who the parents are, if they're hets or not. So all of that is on my channel, so you guys can go and check that out. But yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, uh, very excited. Been looking forward to this for quite a while. So uh, thanks for having me, man.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, I definitely want to dive into the uh, the PVC bills and stuff you do like that. Um, but real quick, shout out to Tom from Low Life I Appreciate the super chat. Really appreciate the support. So Kai, uh, tell us about how you got into reptiles and then kind of what led you to ball pythons specifically.
1: Okay. So I know a lot of people, their story is that they've always liked ball pythons or snakes as a kid. That was not me, right? Growing up in China, snakes were a food source. So... I never had a interest or a fixation um, with snakes. Maybe turtles. So so in China, like I said, a lot of reptiles were seen as a food source, turtles, you know, softshell turtles, snakes, things like that. The only reptile like the Chinese people looked at as a pet would be a turtle. And the reason is because turtles, they have the green shell, which money is green. Right, okay. a lot of them have like red and yellow on their underside or pigments on their on their skin, and and those are colors for like luck, happiness, joy, good fortune, um, and then of course the turtle. We know turtles live for a long time, so they're also a symbol of longevity. So sure. when it comes to okay. turtles, we like them, but when it comes to other reptiles, it's just like, well, it's just a reptile; it's food, right? Or or you know, so. But I, I always liked little critters. It doesn't matter what it was. Like when I was growing up, I would, you know, be fascinated with dragonflies or, or beetles or ants, um, wasps and bees, and even little birds like in the trees. And um, I think another part of me enjoyed like making things for those animals. Like I would make a little birdhouse or a bird feeder for the birds. And I would make, I would make a net to capture the dragonflies, and it actually worked. Um, so I made nets to capture dragonflies, to capture guppies and tadpoles, and I would raise them for a short period of time and then let them go. Um, so I always had a fascination with, with little animals. And I remember, so before I came to the States, I came here when I was like, I just turned six. So the memory has to be from when I was like four or five years old. And at that time in China, there weren't many cars. Like you had to be super, super rich to have a car and we didn't have cars. I remember sitting on the back of my grandfather's bike and he would ride me to a pet store. Now, these, these aren't like pet stores like we know here. It's not like you go into a, a pet go and you have all these varieties of animals and then their foods and, and enclosures and all that stuff. right? <clears throat> the pet stores in China, it was like this one long strip or maybe two strips of. Garage-sized stores. They're the size of a garage, and each store owner pretty much specialized in one or two species. So you can go to one store, and all they would have are are canaries. You go to a next store, all they would have are like uh, fish, like goldfish, right? And then you go to another store, and there would just be finches. Another store, they'd just be parakeets. Uh, Another store, they would just be salamanders. That that's how they were very Specialize in Specialized in what they do, okay. Right, and like I said, at that time there was no cars, so there's no need for parking lots. So right in front of those stores were the smaller business owners, business people like like us, kind of like us. We we don't have a store of ourselves, but we would go to a show and we would vend there, right. So there were it, it, it's kind of like that where they they don't have tables and they don't have to pay for it because it's just open land. These people would also. even more specialized and they would bring their animals on the back of their bikes so so if they if their if their animals were fish they were holding gallons and gallons of gallons of water on their bike right and they would bring it there they would set up these these tubs they would put their fish in it and like i said they were even more specialized so you can go to you you walk down and you'll see one guy with like a, ver- a certain variety of goldfish, like let's say, let's say um, red cap orandas. The next guy next to him had red and white ryukins. The next guy has you know pearl scale, and the next guy has celestial eyes. So they would all be specialized in not just goldfish, but a certain type of goldfish, and sometimes even down to the color. Like one guy would oh, be specialized nice. in just black goldfish, and then the next guy would be specialized in red and white goldfish, and the next one would be specialized in calico goldfish. Same variety. Just different color like that's how focused they were and so like they became known they would become known for that variety so when you want to go and get like you know a black moor you know exactly who to go to kind of like here you know you know we we always talk about focusing on one project like like sunset for example and you want to be known for sunset so you just focus on it and then when somebody wants to buy sunset they would come to you not to somebody else who's just dabbling in sunset like that right right so so i had those memories so from a very early early child i would i was fond of canaries and goldfish because those were the two that my grandfather kept okay um and then so when i came to the states you know it's funny because i a lot of times i go on podcasts and people ask me like what brought me into ball pythons and i have it's it's fairly much the same story but I don't want to repeat it exactly. So I kind of look at it from a different angle. So this one is a little bit different because like, I'm, just, I'm just telling it from a different angle, but it's the same story. Um, <clears throat> so canaries and goldfish were basically what by default I was allowed to have because my grandfather liked it, right? Because my grandfather was a patriarch of the family, whatever he says goes. So my mom could not like negate what he said because if he says, you're not allowed to have goldfish, then I'd be like, well, Grandpa has it, you know. <laughs> so, 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 so yeah. So goldfish and 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 uh, canaries. So when I came to the states, um, canaries were hard to find and they were they were really expensive at that time. They were like, uh, you know, for us who who we came with like the clothes on our back, right? So we didn't have that much money, and and the canary was like, you know, two hundred dollars from a pet store, and it was really expensive. But um goldfish, I didn't really know too much about the varieties of goldfish at that time but in the stores they had feeder fish the rosy red feeder fish and my mom was like oh it's a dollar for 12 yeah you can have those so <laughs> so that's what i started with is rosy red gold like these little feeder fish and i put them into like this little bowl we didn't have a tank we didn't have money to buy a tank so i just put them in so a bowl i hear an echo is that is that me or is that you? Yeah, that
0: was me. Like my phone just jumped on oh. and it was playing clutch conversations. So my phone is smart, it was playing clutch conversations.
1: Nice, nice. <laughs>
0: that was weird though, because like I ain't touched my phone or nothing. It just popped on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought it was me. For a second. Oh <laughs> Yeah, so we didn't we didn't even really have that much money and my mom didn't want to like sink that much money into like a whole fish tank and the filtration and all that stuff, right? We just thought that we could keep it in a bowl. And we did that for a little bit. And, and because these were, like, really, um, I don't want to say they're crappy fish, but but they're hardy fish. So they were able to gulp the air from the surface of the water, and they survived okay. for a very long time. But gr- gradually, I I moved on to, you know, an actual setup, a glass tank, an aquarium, a 10-gallon tank with, like, filtration and then i um i put in goldfish like actual goldfish not feeder fish um, <laughs> and, and then gradually i moved on to like guppies and tetris like the tropical stuff and then um, when i was like in high school i started to breed my own fish because i was just interested in breeding because i just thought like I, I don't know i guess it's just natural progression like when, if you want to feel like You've made it. You have to at least breed it, like you go through the entire cycle, kind of, that, so, that kind of ordeal. So, and, is
0: that breeding fish process is that difficult? Oh yeah, and I guess it's oh, relative yeah. to ball pythons. Uh,
1: it's like it's it's so much more difficult than ball pythons. So much more, I, I don't want to offend anyone. I mean, ball pythons it's not it's not easy, but the goldfish, it, like, there's so many more things to look out for. The survival rate is so low. Like, goldfish eat their eggs. Like fish just eat their eggs. You know, it's just, it's just a instinct. Um, Big fish eat little fish. Like even, even if you think the fish are vegetarians, no, like most people think carp are vegetarians, but if a little fish swims by their, their face, they just eat it. So they're not really vegetarians. I don't think any fish are are true, true vegetarians. Um, Even the algae eaters, if you put in like um, a piece of shrimp, they'll go and chew on that so so um all right, but, okay. but anyway like it, it it's it's not the same and I, and that is one of the reasons why i switched over to ball pythons because i felt like you know i, I was able to breed the fish yes but there were such high failures in breeding the fish that it became just i don't know i mean when you fail fail that that often it just it just feels like you know, it's 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 Is a it dead insane? end. Yeah, yeah, and plus, like, it, it's hard to make money off of fish unless you're either breeding a really, really expensive, expensive type, or or you're breeding like I um, like neon tetras, where you can breed in mass quantities, and then. Kind of like rats, right? Like you don't make that much off of breeding rats, but you have a tight margin. But if you breed a lot of them, yeah, you can make money off of it. So like that's kind of like breeding Tetris. Gotcha. Whereas breeding the expensive goldfish or kois, that's kind of like breeding for the Pompeys.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They're talking so, language, I understand. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So 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 going back like when I when I was in high school and I started breeding breeding the fish in the beginning, I, I remember <clears throat> My mom still wasn't very enthusiastic about keeping fish, right? But I got to the point where there was like 30 fish tanks in the house and she couldn't keep track of them. So if I found space, if I could like squeeze two or three of them close and then add another one before she got home from work, she wouldn't even be able to know the difference. (laughs) And... and and it was good that like I met my girlfriend now, my wife. Um, I met her at that time. So so she she already knew I was kind of paranoid with with these animals, right? So I don't think I don't think I would have met anybody else that would marry me if if it wasn't for her at that time. <laughs> <clears throat> so I remember um she she called me. We were on the phone, I forget who called who, but like she she wanted like to go out or something to, you know, to movies or something. And I was like, no, I'm on a mission. I got. I got to make this, make this fish tank stand before my mom gets home, and I got to set it up <laughs> before he gets home, because because I got a fish coming, and and if I don't set it up now, like that fish is gonna come and it's gotta have nowhere to go, and she, and, and I was like, if you want to spend time with me, you can come here and help me set it up, <laughs> and so she did. She came she over. Did? Oh. Yeah, she came over. Nice. She helped me build the stand. She helped me carry it to the location empty all those other fish tanks, shift them all over, put the new stand in, put the new fish tank in, I uh, set up all the filtration, we put in the water, and then I was like, okay, now we can go somewhere.
0: <laughs> you should have proposed right then, bro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my mom wouldn't, my mom would, no, we, we were too young. It, our parents <laughs> would not have approved, and I don't think her parents would either. Yeah, but so so gradually, after breeding so many fish um i kind of got bored of it it was fish is more difficult especially goldfish because well you know ball pythons they have one set of genes two two genes right so they have um you know what do we call it so so at each locus point there's there's two genes but goldfish have three oh really? so yeah so that that's one i think that's one of the reasons why um, goldfish can be very expensive. Koi fish, those, you know, those Japanese kois. I think one of, that's one of the reasons they can be so expensive is because you don't know what you're getting because they have three, three of those. Like you can't, it's really hard to predict what you're getting. Um, and, and also because they have uh, genetic mutations like ball pythons, mm-hmm. but then a lot of them are also line bred for certain okay. traits for certain colors for certain clarity um, and so that's one of the reasons why and plus they have competitions too like like a dog competition they you know the, the champion dog uh, and and its babies its puppies are sold for a much higher price than another dog who's never been in a competition who's right. never won anything right so these koi breeders they have they, they have competitions in, in Japan they would take their koi there and if it wins then the breeder has has the option of either keeping it for future breeding and then he can basically say you know hey all these other babies came from this champion or he can sell that champion and get a ton of money for it right that's that's one of the reasons why that's a lot of that's really expensive i think in indonesia malaysia maybe they also have competitions for ball pythons i don't know why we don't have it here i think we should it'd be pretty cool like it, it, it kind of like everybody meet up at like a Tinley, but instead of selling, just selling, instead of just selling, you would also have your ball python there to be judged by like, you know, like Kevin McCurley and, and Yeah, some sort of panel Justin. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that would be cool as well. What was I Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, so so yeah, it, it got to a point where just breeding fish wasn't as interesting to me anymore and it was only breaking even. At best, it was just breaking even. Gotcha. So um, I was just browsing YouTube like most people, and then of course, so, so this is the similarity with most other people that landed on Ball Python. Brian Barczyk, his Snake Bites TV, I landed on that. Yeah, Brian Strong. Um, I landed on his channel, I saw some of his videos. There was one thumbnail of a blue snake and I didn't know what it was. And I watched that video like numerous times thinking that if if it's a thumbnail, it must appear in the video somewhere. <laughs> and that's not true, because that snake never appeared anywhere in the video. It, it was just clickbait. It was a blue, like s- somebody put a filter on it or whatever, or painted it, and it was like it. a blue ball python. <laughs> and so from there, I, I, I thought, hey, you know what, let me, that's pretty cool. And, I went to Petco, I think, and or PetSmart and and got a ball python. And that's kind of how I started. That's a really long story. (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing. Like I did a lot of research in how to care for one. And I I saved a lot of I bookmarked a lot of, you know, articles on how to breed them. But the genetics part was Mm -hmm. It wasn't daunting. It's just that I didn't know about it. So I, I landed on Ozzy's um, channel and he had Orange Dream. So I thought I thought anything that was orange was Orange Dream. So when I went to PetSmart and they only had like three animals out on display and I didn't like any of them. They they were also running a sale. I think it was like, I think the regular price was like sixty bucks and they was running a sale. They, were, they came up, came down to forty bucks for a normal. And they only have three on display. Only one of them was a normal. I asked one of the, the employees about it. And they said, hey, you know, there's another one that we have in the back. And I was like, that's weird. Why do you have one in the back and not on display? I was like, is this sick or something? Like, what's going on? And they're like, no, we just don't want so many of the same species on display. They want to leave space for, you know, other animals so they can have variety.
0: Gotcha. I mean, that makes sense from their perspective. Yeah.
1: yeah so, so, they, so they took me back and showed me the other one. And it was orange. And I was like, well, what is that? And they're like, well, it's a normal. And I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking that is not a normal. That thing is orange. Like I know what a normal looks like at this point. And that thing is not a normal. And it's because it's orange. And I only know of the gene orange dream. That has to be an orange dream. Like that's just my logic, right? (laughs) And And so I purchased it thinking that I got a great deal because they sold it to me as a normal. And then, of course, like most of us, we were all like happy and excited about it. We posted on Facebook and I put it on some like a bunch of ball Python Facebook groups.
0: What year was
1: this? Oh, man, this had to been like 2017, maybe, maybe even late 2016. And some people were like, hey, nice Enchi. I'm like, what? Is that even English? Like, what is that? (laughs) So, so then later on, I found out Enchi was another gene. I was like, man, I thought I got an orange dream. This is an Enchi. Um, so so I, think, I think what I did was... Okay, so so here's, here's the funny part. Because I got it, and in New Jersey, that's where I, where I am, you need a permit to own a ball python.
0: Oh, for real? Okay, yeah. Just to own one?
1: Just wow. to own one. It, it's not expensive. And, and one permit allows you to own as many ball pythons as you want. There's no okay. change in, in fee. Between one and a thousand, so I've already sent away for my permit. Okay, I sent away for my permit, and I was like, and I and because it's Enchi, I already made up my mind. Like I made up my mind in the very beginning that I wanted an orange dream and nothing but an orange dream because I thought I was just gonna get one or two and make a super orange dream because that's what Ozzy was doing. That that was badass. So because it's Enchi and PetSmart had like a. 14-day or 21-day return policy, like no questions asked, I went to go return it, and they allowed me to return it. But because I already sent away and paid for that permit, I was like, I can't let that permit go to waste. So so I had to go source another orange dream, and that's so when I the, laid it on Morph uh, Market.
0: So the let you buy the snake without verifying that you had a permit? Even though you were required to have a permit how's that work? No they
1: don't need to verify they just they, they ask you if you have a permit and if you do, great You're, they just give you the animal but they asked me if I had one and I said no so what they did was they issued me a temporary permit that was only good for I think 10 or 14 days
0: gotcha, so within
1: okay. that time frame, I had to take that temporary permit along with the receipt, uh, send it to uh, the fish and wildlife, and then they would issue me a permit. Uh, permit. It. Okay. And it, it would be good for a year. Every year I have to renew it.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Yep. So that was the first one. Um, and I made many more mistakes after that because I still didn't know what I was doing. I was just like randomly buying animals. I did what everybody does, was just buy animals in pairs. You know, I, I think I bought like a fire orange dream with a Mojave orange dream. I thought I was getting an awesome deal because it was well, it, it was a uh, um, real real Can- no not not canadian um Garrett de meyer What's okay yeah royal design something
0: royal ambassador
1: no 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 Garrett de meyer
0: oh uh, it's
1: the one with the with the colorful with the golf head. logo yeah yeah uh, yeah so so he he does like every year i think he does this sale where, where around the christmas new year time um he does a sale and and Oh, you know what? I think he even starts it earlier. I think he starts it like Cyber Monday, something like that. Anyway, he runs a sale, and I thought I was getting a great deal. So I I was buying things in pairs and pairs and pairs. Everything was in pairs. Like if you looked in my rack at that time, um, I had equal number of females, equal number of males, and and I thought that that was the way to do it. Um, But we all know now that I was stupid. (laughs)
0: So uh when you first start seeing like so it sounds like you came like into uh the reptile hobby. Yeah, royal constrictor designs. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I can think of it. I can it
1: yeah, yes.
0: I can think of it for nothing. Appreciate that, Lou Balls. But yeah, it sounds like when you jump into Ball Python game, uh your initial your initial intentions uh were to breed. Uh what made you want to breed like right out the gate?
1: Uh, it's, it's my fascination with genetics. Like I said, with, with fish, we, we can breed for color. We can breed for the length of the fins. We can breed for pattern. Um, there's all these things, but there's, there's such high mortality rate that it became deflating to do so. Um, and also it it was, it it requires so much attention because the fish, when they're babies, I had to feed them and they eat all the time. So I would have to like rush home from work, feed them, um, wake up in the middle of the night and feed them. Um, And they don't eat like flake foods when they're babies. They eat what's called um, baby brine shrimp. So you buy these containers of shrimp eggs and you had to hatch them yourself. And so it takes about 24 to 36 hours to hatch them. So you have to constantly have this assembly line of oh, wow. of of fish eggs, I'm sorry, shrimp eggs to, you know, partially developed and then finally hatched. And then you just keep rotating and adding more more shrimp eggs. And so like I had like I think four or five of these canisters that were in different stages. I would feed the last canister, which are, which are the ones that hatched to the fish. And then I would move them all over and start a new one with fresh eggs. And I would do that like four or five times a day sometimes. Just to keep the the fish, the baby fish alive, and then of course, as the fish grows, you had to buy more and more eggs to feed those mouths because now their bellies are bigger, right? Um, it was a lot of work, but my my main fascination was genetics, and I, and I realized that it, it wasn't really the fish that I was liking; it was it's just creating new colors and new new, new combos right like what okay. we call them ball pythons
0: right so that's what pulled you into the ball yeah. python game is that yeah. fascination with the creation of the different combos and stuff
1: right right and, and so like like i said like oh you can make a super orange dream that that's interesting right and i could have bought a super orange dream and just be like okay i'm done i just have one pet but for me it was like i want to make the super orange dream which is why i sourced two orange dreams to to pair together and and Thought that one day I would uh, be able to make a super, which I did. It took a long time, but I ended up doing so. And so, some of it is just some of these projects that I have, you know, I, I can go and just buy the results, buy, buy, buy what I want. But it's, it's the journey sometimes that, that makes it more fulfilling. Like gotcha. I started with, I started wanting to make dream sickles. And at that time, dream sickles were like 3500 for a female. And then I was like, man. That's really expensive, and I don't really have the experience yet. Plus, a albino pie looks kind of like a dream sickle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, let me just go the cheap route and just see if I can even breed for for, for breed ball pythons at all uh, to see if I'm successful before I jump in the deep end and, and shell out like you know eleven, twelve thousand dollars for you know visual het. For the dream so That's, gotcha. that's kind of what I okay. did. Yeah, it was. It was more. It wasn't really the the species or the breeding that drew me into the hobby. It was the fact that we can create all of these different um, colors and and combine these mutations that really drew me in.
0: So going back to kind of like your original focus, like you like the orange dream. You Wanted to make super ods. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned that you wanted to make uh dream sickles, but you kind of like pivoted and went with like uh albino pods and stuff like that. So, just kind of talk about your project focus like from the beginning and how it's kind of evolved over time and oh, brings okay. up to where you're at right now with it.
1: Yeah, so that's easy because from the beginning, I had no focus, there was no focus at all. Like, it, same, like here, I said, same I, I didn't know what I was doing. All I thought, all I thought I could, I should be doing was. Obviously, I was trying to make the albino pie, but I didn't have any direction after that. I just thought, if I make the albino pie, that's great. I'm done. Uh, but I didn't have any direction. With the orange dream, though, my my direction was just to make the most orange, the most red snake. Um, and at that time, I, I knew about other genes that would make a ball python red or, or orange so of course like we can double up on orange dream we can double up on enchi so super orange super enchi um add add a dose of yellow belly in it maybe fire that would just probably brighten it and, and take away from the orange um cinnamon or black pastel add that in there to like deepen it intensify so that was I guess kind of my focus. And at that time, it was all about codoms. That time we were just stacking codoms, trying to get six or seven codoms. Like, you watch Kevin McCurley's videos uh, on, on the Nerd Channel back then. Like, the snakes that he had, they all look the same. They all look the same. After, like, seven different genes in there, they all kind of look the same. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I'm looking at these animals, and Kevin's like, oh, this, this is Lucifer and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, how do you even know? It's just a yellow <laughs> snake. There's, like, hardly any pattern. And he was like, oh, look at this spot right here. See how it's kind of green flicking. So it's probably inchy in there. Uh, And so like after a while, after a lot of that I started to pivot into recessives because I just kind of felt like the the codoms you you can keep stacking codoms but you're gonna get to a point where they all kind of look the same. And so I I kind of felt like that was a, a dead end. I felt like the recessives were more interesting they were more rewarding, especially since I think at that time, I, I've uh, already made pies. I've already made albinos. Um, I think a few others. But they, were, they just felt more rewarding because it takes a longer time to get there. And I think, like I said earlier, part, part of the fun is the journey that you take. Hmm. Um, and, and that's also why I, I make, the, my, make my YouTube videos, because I wanted to take people along that journey with me. so.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And so what all recesses are you focusing on now?
1: Okay. Um, So I always tell people my top three that I'm focusing on um, are Pides, Clowns, and Desert Ghosts in that order. And I list them in that order because that's the uh, based on the number of animals I have. So I have most Pides. So that's why I said Pides number one. Clowns now are a close second in, in terms of the number of breeder females that i have okay and then and then third would be desert ghosts gotcha yeah so the funny story with these is you know i mean there's there's other recessives that i like as well i'm more interested not saying more interested i I would say i'm more excited about the newer stuff that i have like a sunset but i only have one visual sunset in my entire collection so i don't i can't say i can't say i focus on that (laughs) but the funny thing about the pies and the clowns is like i i have i had about equal number of visuals that i purchased right and and i grew them up now with the pides i i wouldn't say i'm super lucky or successful i think i'm just like on par with with the odds when it comes to producing pides because at this point i have in terms of breeder females i have Equal number of breeder females that were purchased versus those that I produced myself and grew up that are now breeders. So half of them were purchased and half of them were produced by me that are adults and, and have, have bred or close to breeding. When it comes to clowns though, guess how many adult size clowns I have that I produced.
0: That you produce?
1: Yeah. I don't know. that I, that uh, I have that I haven't grew up to adults now. Ten. Three. 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 <laughs> my my luck with clowns is just absolutely horrible. Like if I want you know, everybody always jokes around. If you want a male, you get the females. If you want a female, you get the male. Right? It was it was exactly that with my clowns. And on top of that, I would get clutches where they're all hets. And maybe like one clown. Like all the hets would have all the codoms and then just one male clown, regular clown. <laughs> that, that, that's my luck. So all this time, I, I, and, and the three that held back, only one of them I really wanted to hold back. The other two I held back because I thought, you know, this would be interesting for, for some path down the road. And so that's why I held them back. What
0: are those three?
1: Okay, so one of them is a Orange Dream Enchi clown. Um, one of them is a pastel extreme gene clown. And the other one is a super pastel extreme gene clown. And those two, the two with the pastel and extreme gene, those are the ones that I thought would be interesting to see what the super extreme gene looks like in a clown. Okay. I was also speculating, because I heard rumors that um, Ken Masick, who, who I believe um, founded the extreme gene when he founded the extreme gene, he had other mutations floating around in his collection at the same time, and he just thought they were all extreme gene. He later discovered that one of them was uh, a het tristripe, um, and I think he came out with a video, not that recently, but it, it, it was more the one of the later ones, that there was another gene that he called the extremist.
0: The extremist? Was that... Yeah. Uh... A codon?
1: Yes. I think it's a codon. Now, what made it even more confusing is that he has one gene called extreme gene, and another one he's calling ex- extremist. <laughs> and Clear even, even myself, I'm still a little bit confused. Like, is the extremist a gene, or is that the super form of the extreme gene? So that's one of the reasons, because there's some confusion there and and because he didn't know what he was producing at that time. Um, And the animal that I got was a super pastel extreme gene clown male. Back up. I purchased it as a pastel extreme gene clown because I didn't want to have pastel in everything. Right. True. Fortunately, it turned out I proved them out to be a super pastel because he produced everything. Pastels. Everything (laughs) they produced was a pastel. So that's one. That's also one of the reasons I I couldn't really hold back everything, right? Because everything was a pastel.
0: Everything has pastel. Everything has
1: pastel, and I wanted variety. So I so like I said, I ended up holding two of his offspring's, um, two of the females, and and I just wanted to see one. I wanted to see what the super extreme gene would do in a clown, and two. I wanted to see if I really had the extreme gene or if it was the hep form of a tri-stripe or that other extremist gene.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I'm just saying with pastel, like I'm not a pastel hater, like by any stretch, but I don't want it in every single...
1: Everything. Yeah, you don't want it yeah. In everything. Yeah. Pastel is yeah. making it back though. I know a lot of people don't like pastel and clowns, and I think in certain clown projects, yeah, um, I, I could see why they don't want it, um, but you can you can start to see like clown and desert ghosts are becoming like the base now Yeah. for a lot of clown combos. And you look at what Justin's doing a lot of his stuff. He's trying to make it a lot of his clown combos. He's trying to remake as a desert ghost clown combo. Yeah. And so, so from that point, I think it does make sense to put pastel back in. Because pastel and DG go so well together, Bright Yeah, pastel
0: and DG go well together, for sure. Like I saw a uh, like a pastel, maybe confusion. It was either confusion or acid, but I feel like they're the same thing. But I, I try to call them whatever they labeled as and whatever they were sold to the person as and however they produced them. But I can't remember if it was confusion or acid. But it was a it was like a pastel confusion cloud combo. It was pretty dope. Like it was it was it was nice. Like so, I'm not a Just 100% pastel hater. But again, I don't want it in every single animal I produce. And I definitely don't want it on my male side, right? Right, I'd rather have it on the female side.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. I I was not that smart. I was not that clever when I purchased my males. Like I said, that pastel extreme gene clown turned out to be a super pastel extreme gene clown. And I thought I was getting a great deal by buying a super pastel hypo clown because I wanted to make hypo clowns. And I'm just thinking, oh, this is great, because it's super pastel. I could also use them as backup, you know, because I could always tell if, if the baby comes out pastel, I would know it's sired by the, by, by the killer hypo clown male. Yeah. So I was like, this is great, I can, I can use them. And then I ended up like pastel everything. Everything pastel, 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 <laughs> super pastel. Everything was pastel. And I was like, oh, no, what did I do? Like, why did I do this to myself?
0: <laughs> Are you working any trifecta projects?
1: Uh, yeah, I started to, um, I have, let's see, what do I have? I think the, the one that's, that I'm closest to hitting would be, um, hypo clown pied. Yeah. Hypo clown pied.
0: Oh, hypo clown pied. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was, uh, wondering if you were working like any DG clown pod projects. Are you working any of those too?
1: Not DG clown pied. Um, I have plans for a DG exantic pied.
0: Oh, nice. 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 Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. But, okay. But the odds okay. of my, but that, it's funny because the odds of my, I shouldn't say odds, it's really luck. My luck with exantic pies sorry, Xanthic BGs has been horrible. First of all, I don't know why, but my, my double hat females are just, they, they just took forever to grow. They, they started off really well. And then they just around the 800 gram mark, they just really they became really slow. Um, they grew really slow. They, they would only take a meal, like every third feeding. Um, I finally got them up to size and they've reabsorbed the first season. Oh, man. Uh, the second season, one female went, but the other one reabsorbed again. And, and, and of the female that went, she produced Exantics, uh, but, but not desert ghosts or Exantic desert ghosts. The following season, um, one female we re- hold on actually the following season they both reabsorbed again so <laughs> so out of three seasons and two females i only got one clutch hey so that's my yeah. luck with the xanthic uh Exantic desert ghost project um hopefully things Do will you be you have re-
0: any theories about like what causes them to reabsorb or
1: you know th- th- these two girls are on a really weird schedule I haven't figured it. I mean, one girl, I kind of figured it out because she did give me a clutch. So I have some historical data. I kind of feel like I I, I kind of know when she's going, when she needs to go. But she's going late in the season. And so the males are starting to get turned off at that time, right? They're not excited to go anymore. They're kind of like, oh... You know my my breeding's done for the year. and so I think they're getting lazy towards the end of the year and I think that might be the reason even though she is ready, the males are no longer interested. and so I think she that's why she's she's reabsorbing it because the she's just not getting the viable sperm. That's one theory that I have. Okay. Um, as far as the other girl that just that reabsorbed three seasons in a row, um, I don't know. I don't know what, what the deal is with her. I think she's late as well. I think she's, she, her cycle is weird because it's not it, – like most of mine will, will start going in like October um, and then peak around July and then start to taper off by like September, um, okay. October timeframe. But um, th- th- this, this one girl that just keeps reabsorbing, I think she's either well, I don't know what you want to call it. Either she's going really, really early in the season, or really, really late in the season, and, and that's not and that's just not the time that the males are like really excited, I guess.
0: Do you ultrasound?
1: I I got the ultrasound last year.
0: Okay, which one did you get?
1: The I think the, the what's it called the contact
0: contact. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Actually, yeah. Earn, Earn Earn Exotics, who's who was in the chat? I don't know if he's still there. He was the one that that recommended it to me. Because I was yeah, a little afraid of using it at first because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and, and for some reason, in my mind, I thought that it would cost like $3,000 for an ultrasound. And that's, that's probably because like, I looked into the cost of an ultrasound way, way back then, and it was like three 000, four 000, five thousand dollars 5000 for a system. But then when Ern when sent me the link, and I was like, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. That's, that's <laughs> ridiculously cheap. And he said it was super easy to use. And I was like, I'm it getting is. it. It is. It
0: really is yeah
1: I love it I love it it's, it's it's a huge benefit i I don't think you absolutely need it because I still palpate like I only use the I only break it out once every three weeks to every four weeks so, so once a month i'll use it but yeah, in between that dude. time in between that time I, I'm still good at like just looking at the female and kind of figuring out where she is and um, maybe I'll palpate um, but a lot of times I can just look at it and, and based on, like, how she's reacting, how she's feeding, I can kind of gauge as to, you know, if she's producing follicles or not. And, okay, and the other so how that close I have... is
0: your eye test uh, or your field test? Like, and what I mean by that is, like, when you're, like, looking at them or feeling them, like, palpating mm-hmm. them and whatnot to see where they're at, but then you turn around and you ultrasound them, like, how close are you? Like, are, are you kind of, like, pretty in the ballpark or are you kind of, like, way off?
1: No, I'm pretty in the ballpark. I think maybe maybe um, three or four millimeters, give or take.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, pretty, that's pretty good,
1: bro. I, I would have to – I think the smallest follicles I'm able to palpate is around like 17, 18 millimeters. Okay. So, so if I go and palpate and I was like, oh, is that really a follicle? Oh, I think it is. That's when I know it's 17 millimeters because I'm just barely able to feel it, you know? And then, and then I go by that feel. Like, if it's a little bit bigger, then it'll be twenty. And then, you know, just I just go ba- based on my my memory of what it felt like before.
0: Gotcha. So, has the ultrasound changed your breeding tactics? Like, yeah, do you yeah
1: alter- yeah definitely
0: there in the spot and then you pair? Right. Um,
1: no, no, not not necessarily. I I always I think when i pair is still i still go by how the female is reacting and then i'll I'll know when the pair um, how it's changed is it's been able to help me stretch the males and the reason the reason i said that is like i i had the sunset male. that's that's the big purchase that i made last season um, i purchased an adult sunset and my plan was to just put them to like a bunch of pies and a bunch of recessives, candies, um, Ultramel, a bunch of, to, to make a bunch of double heads. Sure. And I created this list. And and then after I created this list and I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be able to, I don't know if he's going to go, go, <laughs> go the whole mile with so many females. So I, I I kind of thought like, Oh, you know what? Maybe this, these, these females are Pides. I can use another Pide as a backup to help them out, you know, and, and then these females are are um, candies. So I have a, a, an albino male and he, and he can be their backup. So if I get a Candino, I know with the backup it wasn't the sunset, right? But then I'm like, do I really want a bunch of, you know, Pides when I'm shooting for double heads? Do I want a bunch of Candinos when I'm shooting for double heads? So that that's when I... That's when I realized that a ultrasound would really come in handy because I wouldn't be putting the sunset in unnecessarily. True. And that that was the biggest benefit for me. Even now, like, I have – I make pairings now. I'm, I'm more confident in making pairings now because I have the ultrasound. Um, and you and you hear other people say, like, oh, I have one male to 14 females. That's because they have the ultrasound.
0: Yeah, I see somebody said it the other day. Like, in fact, they had multiple males that was going to about that many females. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like I, I feel like you, you have to have an ultrasound to do that because you can, like, strategically identify, okay, so this makes sense to put this male with this girl because she's here and she's progressing forward. And you kind of pick and choose what female you put them with and make sure you're not just wasting them right because otherwise you don't you don't necessarily know um i feel like i know for me i pretty much had the ultrasound the whole time i'm not good at palpating like at all like sometimes i feel like i feel something like a little something, but it's usually when they're bigger, right? And mm-hmm. so, like, I kind of have an idea in my head, like, hey, I felt like I felt something last time I held her. Let me ultrasound and see. And sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. So, I can't, I don't really have it dialed in right now, but I am trying to use the ultrasound to kind of teach me how to palpate. But I'm glad I got the ultrasound because it's been yeah. like a ton, ton, ton of help, bro.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, know, I know what you're saying. You kind of use the ultrasound to double check. Right, like I think I feel it, and then use ultrasound. Be like, oh yeah, that was definitely it. You know, yeah, yeah. Now I know what I felt was confirmed. Yeah, yeah. And I'm still
0: trying to train that, uh, that, uh, that sense of touch and the palpate. I ain't quite got it, but I am. Not just strictly relying on trying, I do want to teach myself how to palpate And, mm. and continue to try to like Fill them in and, and have an idea um, I watch the girls too And like watch their behavior The thing that I've noticed this year And I hope I'm not uh, shooting myself in the foot Like uh, truth be told I am a little bit nervous about this uh, I did drop my temps Quite a bit this year Like um just like the hot spots and stuff uh, Because last year Especially towards the end of the season I had a uh, I had quite a bit of slugs out of like three clutches, right? And so I think part of that was because my temps got too high because it gets like super hot in Florida. And then I had my like my hot spots probably too high. And so I dropped them a little bit because I was like more around probably like 90 is where I was trying to be. And I think that was too high. Um and so like I dropped them uh mm-hmm. this year but I've noticed a lot of my girls don't spend as much time at the front of the tub as I'm used to them seeing like at this point in time when they're building. And so like, I'm a little bit nervous, but then at the same time, I'm like, well, Maybe they don't have to because they, that hot spot isn't where it was before. And so they don't have to spend that time at the front of the tub. So I don't know. We'll see how it works. Uh, hopefully I'm not shooting myself in the foot in that regard, but we'll, we'll see. That's part, of the, that's part of the fun, but it's also like part of the, the, the stress and the, the worst. Part of it. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, man, I really want all these girls to go. Uh, yeah. But looking at the girls and like where a lot of my collection is right now is uh, – fairly comparable to where it was like last year at this time. Um, I actually got like a few girls like I'm expecting the eggs on the ground like in probably like the next two to three weeks and then like eggs on the ground from another girl after that like a week later and then like another week later eggs on the ground from another girl. Last year this time I only had one girl uh, at this time of year that was going and so it seems comparable but uh I'd just be worried about it just because That's- it's new, but I see the homie Matt. What's up, bro? He said, trust me, you'll be good them little attempts. So my homie Matt says good it's good, bro. Take that yeah. to the
1: bank. <laughs> I, think, I think you'll be all right. I think you'll be all right. Yeah, the, the thing is, like, it, I know there's, see, I get, I get irritated sometimes when I'm, when I see people ask, you know, hey, you know, did I set up my enclosure right? And of course, everybody has to jump in and tell them that they're doing it wrong. Um, I, I think the question should really be like, what are my options, right? And then people should, should be able to provide options. Hey, you know, like when I sell a hatchling to somebody and, and I get the sense that they, they might be new, um, you know, I'll, I'll ask them, what do you have in terms of your enclosure or what are you thinking of getting and to be honest, some of these people tell me that they're new. This is their first snake um, and ask me what what they're how big of a terrarium or aquarium or tub should be. And they ask me that. And, and so that's how that's one of the ways I know that they're, they're new to this. And I always tell them just to start start out small with like a shoe, a shoe, a shoe box, like a five or six quart box. There'll be some people who are like, no, I want a terrarium. I want to give them the biggest space. And, and you know, I always tell them, like, just, just start small. You can always get them the bigger ones later. For now, just get them acclimated to you, to your home, right? And just see what the temperature and humidity is. Because it's much easier to control the temperature and humidity in a smaller space than in a, you know, four foot, six foot terrarium. True. So I always tell them to start there and then, you know, I give them examples. Like if your humidity is high in that box, then you might want to take out your substrate and put in paper. If you had a six foot terrarium, that's a lot of substrate to take out and replace with paper. Right, so it's easier to adjust and figure out exactly what makes it comfortable for your animal in a smaller space. You have less work to do, less material to move around, and then once you get comfortable with that, once you realize what works for you in your home in that room, then go ahead and get a larger, a larger enclosure. And so, like, and I know you were talking about dropping your temps. And seeing what works. I think that's that's kind of what we have to do is you just experiment a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I, I yeah. dropped my temperatures too. Um what I did was last season I dropped it I think like four degrees and then I put it back up after two weeks. I didn't really see much of a difference. Um but because of what happened to me towards the end of the season same thing happened to you was I was getting slugs at the end of the season. Um, this time around, I dropped it six degrees. And then after that, I only brought it back up four. So I dropped, so, so, so technically, they're, so they're two, they're two, two degrees cooler than yeah. they were before. Yeah. So I still dropped it. I gave, him a, I gave him a swing, but I just didn't swing all the way back up. I just swung swing up by four degrees.
0: Gotcha. And so did that work out for you?
1: I'm trying it this season.
0: Oh, that's this season. Okay, Yeah, gotcha. this, this one, 2023. Gotcha. Yeah, Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes
1: sense. Yeah, because I want to see if, if the ones that laid late in the season, hopefully they'll still lay, and hopefully they won't give me slugs or give me curly white eggs. <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I was great at the beginning of the season. I was like, yeah, doing this, doing this. Because this is my third season. Last year mm-hmm. was the first season that I had multiple clutches. And I had one clutch the uh, prior year. But, yeah, like, at the beginning of the season, it was just, like, clockwork. Like, every hanger that came out was good. But then towards the end, like um, like I said, I had, like, three clutches where it was just,
1: started to man, off. what in
0: the world. And my but- double head DG Clown clutch was one. So, I had so all but one egg was a slug from that girl and the one egg seemed to be viable like the mm-hmm. whole time until like probably like two or three days before it was supposed to hatch and then it just went downhill and oh. so like that ended up being like a bad egg so I got no eggs out of that clutch I had a double head hypopi clutch that I didn't get anything out of because she slugged out it was uh, several codoms in that one, and then I had another girl where it was just there was it was actually not a recessive clutch. It was just like all codoms in that one, but she slugged out as well. And so those were the three clutches that gave me fits right at the end of the year. I was like, man, what's going on? I think I posted like one or two of those though, mm-hmm. and I was like, you win some, you lose some. It's part of the game. But um, hopefully, it helps this year uh, with dropping those temps stuff. Like I said, my homie Matt said it's gonna help, so take it to the bank. <laughs> oh
1: yeah yeah no, hold on a second no I didn't, okay. I didn't, I didn't,
0: I didn't wash it yet you need it everybody make sure y'all hit that like button mar- if you're not currently subscribed definitely hit that subscribe button and smash one. that notification bell let's it really helps us out in the let's channel let's make sure you're following the guests everywhere you can follow them the links for his social media are in the description of this video so definitely make sure y'all go check it out show some love tell them Mike from Herb Collectors sent you
1: I'm back. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> no problem, bro. Quick uh quick opportunity for a promo. <laughs> yeah,
1: thank you. Thank you. I heard it. <laughs> Good job, babe. <laughs> so
0: man, let's hop into like your operations, right? So how do you like what's your work life balance um like like with family and the reptiles and work? Like how's that work out for you?
1: It doesn't. It doesn't work at all. No, I'm kidding. No,
0: I'm kidding. Um, That's a short answer. The TLDR, it doesn't. No. It,
1: I, I don't know. I, I think I think it's because I started really slow. I, I guess relatively speaking, to compared to other people, I started slow, right? Like I started with um, breeding just two females just to see if I can do it, and then I think the following season I think I had like eight breedings, and then the following I had like twelve breedings, and so. I, I was able to, I guess, not take too much away from the family, not take too much away from, from work. Um, because because I did I went slow and because I throughout the whole time I was finding efficiencies and taking care of the animals and breathing and doing all the stuff. So my time hasn't my time with the snakes wasn't like an exponential thing where like I, I needed a lot more time, even though my collection grew exponentially my time with them didn't have to be exponential. It was kind of a linear growth um, with the amount of time I needed to spend on my collection. Got gotcha. you. And, um, and also, my kids grew older. So, the, so when, you're, when you're a toddler, you need a lot of attention. But you know, as you get older, you need less attention. And so like, I was able to utilize some of that time with the snakes because they to be honest my, my teenager doesn't even even want me around anymore so so it, i got two it, all, it, it all works out you, bro. <laughs> it all works out yeah and um i also changed jobs my, my old job was very demanding um I, I remember there was times where i would work 80 hours a week for multiple weeks in a row um i just didn't like that anymore so 2019 so like i said i started around 2016 20, uh, 2017 with that first inchie from from PetSmart right i i changed jobs uh 2019 so that that took away a lot of the pressure a lot of the stress from work and i was able to refocus that with the ball pythons which helped out a lot and now covid which allows us to stay home and work benefits even more because Instead of like being at work and and, oh, you know, what I'll take a break. Let me just walk around the office and grab a coffee instead of doing that. I can go fill in some water. I can go do some spot cleaning. I can just enjoy the snakes for like five minutes and then come back to work.
0: It makes sense. It makes sense. So You've been in since 2016, 2017, so let's just call it six, seven years. So, talk about uh, how the market was then, or not necessarily the market. Let's just focus on the industry at least at first. Talk about how the ball python industry was then versus how it is now, and talk about like some of, some of the major changes and, and things that you've taken notice of over that time span.
1: You know, I didn't really take notice of the industry, the business side. Until like two three years ago, okay. Because because in the beginning, when I got into it, I kind of treated it like my fish hobby, where I would just be happy if it paid for itself, you know. Um, and 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 they kind of did. Like like I said, the first breeding, the first two breedings I had was a was a visual, was visual pieds and visual albinos and they they paid for the parents like the babies came out and i sold them they paid for the parents they paid for the food the cost that goes into feeding the parents and and all that stuff so it broke even and it's kind of what i was expecting and that was also based on like a lot of other other people who i thought were like been in the industry, been in the hobby for a long time because they, they sounded like they knew what, what they were talking about, <laughs> right? Um, turns out they only had like four months more experience than me. Um, but the, they were all saying, and, and we, we've heard this before, everybody was saying like, there's no money in it. You can't retire off of it. It's not going to be a full-time job. It's a grind. They all say that stuff. So so I kind of thought, thought you know, I'm not going to make money out of this. It'll just be another hobby, just like the fish. But with my experience with the fish and knowing that, hey, you know, I, I need to rehome the fish, I need, to, I need to somehow make profit out of it or at least break even, um, I took that experience and then applied it to the ball pythons and I did my math. and I'm like, these people who are saying there's no money to be made probably just aren't doing it right because after I did the math, like your first season and I was proving it to myself, the first season pay for the parents, so every season after that would be profit, right? It's like it's, it's just easy math, and I'm like, I don't yeah. I don't I don't understand what you guys are saying. And then a couple years later, like I just did my own thing, like I didn't care. I just did my own thing. I made sure the babies had a place to go. I had a couple of pet stores near me. I, I I lined those up where like if I had excess, they would take them in and then sell them at their stores. Um, I was also, you know, like. Like you said, I, I had like this channel and I had the social media so that I could at least, you know, have an accurate representation of what, what I stood for and people hopefully trust me and know me based on that to be able to buy my animals. Um, yeah, so so I kind of made sure that any hatchlings things I produced would have a place to go. And then therefore also be able to make sales, the revenue would hopefully balance out the expenses, at least. Um, So in the beginning, I wasn't really paying attention to the business, but then COVID, COVID was like a blessing and a curse on many different levels. Um, Of course, course COVID hit and then that made me like really start paying attention to, to my sales. Um, to my revenue. And that, that's kind of when I started to retain the data. I started to collect, because before it was like, oh, I made two, three, four, eight clutches. I sell them, whatever. It kind of feels like they pay for the rats. You know, it's fine. You know, that kind of ordeal. But, but when I started making like 20 plus clutches and, and when COVID hit and everybody was buying these animals and I see other people who were also, um, you know, keeping track of their sales I thought, you know, it's probably a good idea that I do it as well. So I did it, and that was also the time where all these big breeders started telling us, "There's a lot of money to be made. Here's how to do it. Here's how you set up your project. This is how you do it. Set yourself for, set yourself up for success." And then it was like, "Oh, now the wheels are turning. Now I have to refigure out, like, refigure my whole entire collection and my projects." I, I think there was a time where. In, I actually sold a ton of breeder females just so I can realign my projects. Um, but like I said, it wasn't until the last three years or so when I started paying attention, or at least had the data to show that there was a that, that there were some changes with with um the industry based on at least my my experience. Um and so far it's it's been an upward trajectory, right? Like I think. I don't, I don't rec- recall like, if these are revenues or if these are profits, but there was like thousands of do- – not thousands, but like, maybe like $12,000 um, three years ago, and then maybe like $30,000 maybe last year or something like that. Um, but I'll tell you what. This, this year, 2023, and I haven't produced a clutch yet. I haven't hashed anything out yet. right? I'm just selling off what I produced last season. I've already made 75% more in revenue than I did March of last year.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice.
1: So, so it's, I mean, for me, it's an upward trajectory, even though like-
0: Are you doing, break, break that down for me. Are you doing 75% more volume or 75% uh, 5% just more revenue because you're selling like more expensive animals?
1: Seventy-five percent is revenue, but the volume is all. That, that's what I was just about to get to. Is the the caliber of the animals are greater than last year, or the year previous, and there is more volume as well. But okay, n- but it's it's not seventy-five percent more volume. The, the reason gotcha. so it's I make an it increase more in the revenue caliber.
0: and is driven partially by the caliber of the animals you sell, but a little mm-hmm. bit more volume as well. So it's kind of a combination. But
1: yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, like i think two years ago i only had one animal that was worth two thousand dollars and i ended up selling her for 1800 which is which is still pretty good um this season like there's like five animals that were you know between 15 and two grand gotcha so i had more I, i guess that's kind of like the the trend right like when you start off, or the way I started off, um, let's say, for example, my Exantic Pied project, I started off with an Exantic Hat Pied and a Firefly Pied. And, I, and again, this is the journey that I took. I could have purchased an Exantic Pied, but I wanted to make my own, right? So, you know, the first year, I think I made like a Pied Head Exantic and didn't really have much else going on except for like a pastel double head. And because I was new and I felt like, I felt like I needed to hold on to those double head females, even though they weren't really worth that much at that time. But I was like, I, 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 I want to produce my Exantic Pied and I just want to have better odds. I just wanted to have more females to, to increase my odds. So I held on to a Pied head Exantic and then a, two pastel double heads. The following season, I think I produced a, I produced I produce another pied head Xantic. Right? And so like with that project, I didn't really make much um, with my Xantic pie project. I was probably just breaking even, you know, because I am producing some visuals, some visual heads, some double heads, 66 um, percenters, whatever. And I was able to sell those and kind of just use that to break even but then, after that, I produced three double visuals the following season. And those are growing up now. They're, they're almost breeder size. In fact, the male is already running through to a few females. Nice. So, so with that said, last season, I think I produced like seven double visuals and I don't need them. I don't need that much, right? So, right. so, so those are the ones that I was able to sell. So that's kind of like, like if you think about the 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 revenue that was made from just that project, it pretty much stayed constant. It's pretty much stayed constant, and then all of a sudden it just went up. And this year is the year that it went up. So, it, is it is it our our economy uh, that that caused it? Was it? So, I, it's hard for me to like definitively say that you know the the industry isn't crashing. It certainly is not crashing. That's, that's not what I meant. Like, but the industry is slowing down. However, if you look at my data, it looks like the industry is speeding up because my sales are have accelerated tremendously. But that's also because my collection is growing right. tremendously at like I'm like I'm almost doubling every year the number of breeders that I have. Right. So it, it kind of does make sense that I'm making 75% more now than I did last year this time, this time last year.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense um, on all aspects of that. That makes perfect sense. So kind of you, you mentioned like change, like industry change. So I, I did want to touch on change a little bit because like I noticed you've had some changes with your logo. Um, can you can you, sp- <laughs> can you speak to that? Because I, I know we are back and forth on like what logo we were going to use, and so like yeah, uh, talk yeah. about kind of like what went into that and where you're at now and what's the plan going forward.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I, I always knew that I should keep my logo simple. Um. And it's changed a little bit, like like the snake logo that I had. Before the neck was a little bit longer, it kind of looked like a cobra. I didn't like it, and then I just shortened the neck, and, and that's kind of how I kept it for quite a while. Um, but then I wanted to see if I could simplify it even more. And like I said, this this whole hobby, I named it Lucas Landon because my kids, um, that's their names. So anytime I make a logo change, like that's that's the I, I guess party that needs to approve the logo, yeah. <laughs> and so i I made like three or four different ones, okay and they they did not agree on a single one. They, <laughs> I mean they 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 approved one, but what they approved was not the same one, right? And so it took a while, it took a little finessing it took some discussions for them to agree on one logo. And when they did that, I thought, hey, you know what? Let me just try this out. I knew from from working at a marketing agency for like, I don't know, 13 years, that we shouldn't really change logos too drastically. But I felt like I was still kind of new because it was only like my fifth or sixth year that even if I made a change now, I, I could still like kind of, um, you know, recover from from anybody who who didn't recognize it anymore. Sure. Um, and it was also around the time when Canova changed their logo. So when they changed it, I was like, oh, this is a good time to change it because I already had the logo in mind. I just didn't know didn't know when to put it out there. Um, so yeah, when Canova changed it, I was like, oh, you know what? They simplified it maybe it's maybe that's that's what we're all gonna do now so i I threw it out there i I changed it but i was never 100 percent sure that i wanted to go with that simplified logo i was just like maybe it's too early because that logo was like two lines and a dot like the two lines were lucas and landon their, their initials and then and then the middle line plus the dot looks like a lowercase r so for royals so i was like maybe that's just too simple maybe people wouldn't get it you know and and it and just looking at that, you wouldn't know it's reptiles. You wouldn't know it's anything reptile related. But I just left it out there for a little bit just, just to see what it would do. And I didn't really see any, any difference. I mean, I had a few people who commented and say, hey, cool logo, or you know, I, I think it looks nice. I think it looks edgy. Um, of course, anybody who didn't like the logo probably wouldn't tell me that they didn't like the logo. <laughs> they would just like keep their mouth shut, um, which is cool. But after a while, I was like, you know, I just, I just got to go back to it. Um, I I kind of, I was never 100% sure of it, which is why like you saw the new logo in some spaces, but in other spaces, you still saw the old logo. Like on my website, the old logo was still there on Morph Market. It was still the old logo and on YouTube, you know, that little one that comes up on the bottom right of the screen. Like you can hover over it and then it'll show up your logo oh, yeah, and then you can click on it to subscribe. That one was still yeah. the old logo, right? And, and gotcha. I think, yeah, I think my videos, the intro was still the old logo. The only the only place, places I put the new logo were like uh, Facebook, Instagram, and maybe TikTok. Yeah, so I was just testing it out. I was just testing gotcha. it. it. It was never meant to be like permanent. It was just testing the waters to see if people reacted better to it, to see if people even knew what it was. And I would say that there wasn't really much of a difference, so I just reverted back to the old logo.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And so did you have to get board approval to go back to the old logo?
1: Nah, it took too long. It took too long, man. (laughs) okay. They've already approved the old logo, so I don't think it would have – I just didn't feel like, well, number one, it, took, it takes too long. And number two, they approved the old logo, so I just didn't see, I, I didn't feel like they, they would mind if I just went back to the old logo. And to be honest, I went back to the old logo like a month ago, and they still haven't even noticed.
0: <laughs> oh, man. That's funny, yeah. Hey,
1: what, What's your background? Like, what's my what background? Field? Yeah, what field are you in?
0: Accounting, finance.
1: Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, my, my yeah. wife is in accounting too. So
0: Okay, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah definitely not like branding or marketing or anything like that. Okay. Um, like I took marketing classes as like mm-hmm. part of my major. And I shouldn't even say classes because it wasn't plural. Um, well, actually I did take two, so it is plural. But um, definitely not a specialization by any stretch.
1: Oh, okay. You're, you're very detailed. I knew you had to been like Engineering, working with numbers, or science, or, or something like that. Like, you're, you're very detailed in what, what you do and
0: say. So that's my inner dorky accountant coming out.
1: Yeah, yeah. My my wife is like that too. She's very detailed in certain things, and then the other stuff. She's like, ah, whatever, whatever. Like, All right. like, oh, I left the stove on. Whatever. It's like, no, man. That's not, that's 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 not what. <laughs>
0: it's funny yeah. yeah so
1: but but it, it's good I, like my a bunch of my friends uh my my friends who are who are couples they have a really good relationship with their wife too and 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 i look at what they do it's like one is a numbers person and the other one's a science person so i'm, I'm engineering so it's kind of a science and she's the accountant so it's numbers and then the other one's like a with a chemist and another one was with a, you know, a programmer um, with another accountant. So it, it seems to like, I guess, I guess that's a, seems to balance out each other. Um, it, it's good to have like your counterpart not always agree with you. You know, there's a saying, yeah, I, I, I forget exactly say. what it goes. I, I forget exactly how it goes. But the saying is something like if two people are always agreeing with each other, then one of them doesn't need to be there, <laughs> right? Like you don't, you don't need because you're always agreeing with each other. Um, yeah, it's
0: definitely good to have a a, a different take, right? Because, yeah. like, believe it or not, I'm not always right. <laughs> so it's definitely have, it's definitely good to have like a different take and, and have a balance and have somebody to bounce ideas off of and, and tell you when you're wrong and tell you when something might not make sense.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, and, and somebody that you can trust exactly. They they they're called um truth sayers, right? Somebody yeah. who tells you exactly how it is, um, regardless of your your feelings, your emotions, right? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, cause, cause and have, not
0: only that, like, is somebody who you know really has or your best in a lot interest. Of cases, you got your best interest in mind, yeah, right. Right, that might not be the case in every single relationship, but I know in mine that's the case.
1: Yeah, because I have had like I, I've you know I, I failed at things right where I didn't get the job that I wanted or the position, and um, you know I have I've had friends who were like, oh man, don't worry, man, you you were too good for it anyway. I'm like, what the hell are you saying, man? <laughs> what does that even mean? It's like, it's like th- those are the ones that I don't want to hear. Like those, that's the support that I don't want to hear, because if I believed it like if he said it so often where i believe that i was too good for that position then i wouldn't be able to grow like i wouldn't be able to you know clean up what i was doing and and, and better myself i would just believe i would just be arrogant like oh i was too good for that job you know (laughs) but but like but my wife was like oh it's because your resume sucked
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, on the subject of work and, and your profession and stuff like that, like you mentioned, like you had a story to tell about.
1: Like oh, going back. Oh, going like back. Yeah. Yeah. So going back. Um, so, so again, COVID, a blessing and a curse. I, the, the job that I'm at right now, I, I work for a, a financial institution. It's a bank. All right. I, I made it sound like bigger than, than it really is. It's a bank. And I was originally hired as a consultant for six months. And this was 2019. Okay. And so I worked there as a consultant. As a consultant, you have a key card, a badge to get into the different areas of the building. And the consultant badge doesn't get you everywhere. In fact, I had to renew it every six months. So my contract was supposed to be for six months. At the end, I was supposed to leave. However, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but they fired IBM and kept me on full-time. Oh, nice. All right. so not I shouldn't say full-time. They just extended my contract for another six months. Okay. And then they extended another six months. And I think there's some regulations where you can only use a contractor for two years. So by about 18 months or so, they had to bring me on full-time. And that was in the middle of COVID. We were already working at home. And so my badge, ne- I never got a full-time employee badge. I still had the expired consultant badge, the freelancer badge. So I never got the, got the new badge. And now they require us to go back two, three days. Well, I don't have a badge. <laughs> so, so, not only, so not only do I not go in because I don't have a badge. I can't get in even if I do go, right? But I found out that they are pulling reports based on badge number to make sure that you're going in. Since I don't have a badge, there's no badge number. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Until they figure that out, I'm just going to sit here in the comfort of my own home like i said man i, I gained so much time back because i get to just walk into the snake room my kids go to school one of them I, I drop off i mean i i make their breakfast and then my wife drops him off when she goes to work and then the younger one he goes to school at nine so i drop him off and then after that, i'm just home by myself i'm home it's so great it's so quiet. <laughs> And I can pretty much work in every single any room I want because there's nobody there. I can talk as loud as I want in a meeting. Uh, I can watch TV. You know, it's so comfortable working from home. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you another story. There were people that I worked with in the beginning who 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 like were very adamant about being in the office. They felt like they felt like you have to be there. You had to be present. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like you have to have that face-to-face Downstairs. time with, with your friends. Yeah. And then, and then when COVID hit and we were doing everything over Teams, over WebEx, those managers, those same people, were like, "Oh, I kind of like this. I can take a nap when I want to." And I was like, "What? You know, this conversation <laughs> is recorded, right?" <laughs> And I'm like, you're, you're a manager. I was like, damn.
0: <laughs> yeah, like it's a lot of people that just refuse. I mean, some jobs obviously it presents like unique challenges to where you can't do it remotely. But then there's others that you can do completely remotely as long as mm-hmm. you got like a, a good internet connection and as long as you yeah. got the equipment that you need. And yeah, but I mean, it's some folks that just like refuse to to believe in the validity validity of like that sort of work environment, but times are changing and like i I hate to sound cliche by saying times are changing but i mean at the end of the day they are right and so like that's becoming like a a recruit recruitment tool and why wouldn't you want to have access to more than the talent pool that's in your respective area right because before so i live in Gainesville, right so before if you hire somebody you brought somebody in um you wanted them to work there they basically had to live in Gainesville or the surrounding area. But if you have the remote work option, then you know what I'm saying? Like you're not limited to just, that talent pool in Gainesville and the surrounding area. You got access to talent in California. You got access to talent in New York. You got access to talent in Colorado, wherever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like, why would you want to limit yourself and limit your organization, right? Yeah. So yeah, That's how I look at it, man. You just gotta, you gotta embrace the future. Like there's always gonna be changes. There's always gonna be technological changes and you can either like cower from it and hide in the corner and say, I don't want to do it. Or you can stump your feet and be a dinosaur and get passed by, or you can embrace it and grab, grab the bull by the horns and, and be a leader in that space. And I, I believe in the latter. That's just my Yeah,
1: time. yeah. I mean, we, we had to adapt to it. I mean, like, I know pre-COVID, there's all these naysayers. Everybody kind of looked down on these people who are telecommuting. But with the COVID, I mean, we had to adapt. We had, the business had to keep functioning, right? We had to keep running the business. And so we all adapted to working from home and we proved that it, it works. So yeah. now telling us to go back into the office even though based on the charts that they're showing you're seeing more productivity. So why are we going back to the office if you're seeing more productivity? <laughs> uh, to be honest, some of the people that I work with even though I'm on a team by myself, but I still have to work with other team members, other other, you know, directors and managers and others they, some of them have moved. Some of them were near here where I live, you know, the, the towns, the neighboring towns and such. Some of them moved, Virginia, Florida. Like they moved to areas that have nicer weather because they thought that telecommuting was the future that, that was going to last forever. Yeah. So if I go into the office now, actually my friend, my friend was telling me earlier uh, just today, that he was told to go into the office just so he could communicate to his team on team. None of them were in the office.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do that all the time, bro. All
1: None the of time. them were in the office. So, so I'm like, but I would be doing the same thing if I went in, right? Like all yeah, these people I, that I reached out to that I had to communicate with, that I had to, to, to like, you know, brainstorm or, or do whatever, they're not even around in the office anymore.
0: Yeah, bro, so, like, real talk. Like, sometimes I go into the office and don't see a person in 3D <laughs> at all the entire time I'm in the office. Right. But, and I'm on teams. Yeah. <laughs> but I drove yeah. across town to get there to sit and meet with you virtually. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: So so that friend that I was talking to, he was like, he was like, no one from my team is in the office. And I was like, yeah, why don't you just come to my house and work here then? Because I was only not... Listen, I'm nine minutes away from the office, and I refuse to go in. Oh, you that's that?
0: dope, bro! I wish I was nine minutes away. Like, I'm probably like a legit twelve to fifteen minutes away. Like, if I just drove straight there, and there was no traffic. But because mm-hmm. of the traffic and the shitty infrastructure that we got, like, I can be forty-five minutes away from the office just by virtue of the traffic. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Say, say, you're wasting forty-five minutes. Yeah. If you build that forty-five minutes on the company's <laughs> on the company's timesheet, sheet <laughs> i think they'll they'll have a different opinion about going in that's what we had to do before like i like i said like i was working 80 hours um sometimes it's a legit 80 hours in the office right but other times it's time at a hotel on a flight traveling to the client's office That those are like sometimes it's like 120 hours a week because i'm doing all that traveling like Like when I'm sleeping at a hotel, I'm billing that time because I should not be in the hotel sleeping. I should be in my own bed sleeping. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) I'm not comfortable there. So you guys are paying for this. That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, man. Hey, so what's your thoughts? I wanted to pick your brain on this. What's your thoughts on like some of the changes coming up with more market?
1: Um, you mean in terms of
0: yeah, ownership? uh, Say again.
1: In terms of ownership or the functions and features?
0: Yeah. So really both, right. Cause with the change in, in ownership, uh, some new change in the function and features are coming. So what's your change, what's your thought on the the change in ownership and some of the new things that are kind of coming up with that, like the uh, increased advertising, the making the local shopping kind of function more prevalently, the increased plan capacities, Uh, the free animal management, like that was going to be a, that's a, that's a, big one too and then like the social media platform and the wholesale market like all those kind of changes what are your thoughts on that
1: I'm not concerned about it at all in fact I welcome it you know I think I think change is good I think even even if it doesn't work out we, we can learn from it I mean you can see what John has done with the recent morph market where you added all these functions and features I mean it does kind of clutter it a little bit but that's kind of the the process right you, you come out with an idea you, you Put it in place you see how it works and then you adjust it you fine-tune it right we, we did that before um and we still do it now with with the financial company that i'm at is we, we we come out with these functions and features and then we we have data to see how the user's interacting with it and based on that we fine-tune it tweak it a little bit to make it easier you know, we have a user experience team who then looks at that data and says, you know what, this, this, this thing is actually causing problems, this is causing confusion, but if we move it to up here, we're gonna get much better, better, better results. So, same thing with Morphark. I'm not, I'm not concerned at all with, with the changes. Um, I do like the fact that they're going to allow a higher limit um, per, per tier, I guess they're calling it tier, right? Cause I'm, yeah, I'm I think agree. it was
0: like, uh, increasing about a third per tier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's going to be great. Um, and, and I think it makes sense because if you look at my growth, most, most other people I'm assuming it's going to have a similar growth. Um, what do you call it? The velocity of growth is going to be pretty similar. So, so we're, we're all still producing, maybe the same quantity of animals but they're of higher caliber and so you have to increase the price and so i think i think they're doing they're, they're seeing that i think they're they're seeing that breeders are are producing you know less or, or same number of animals but the cost is increasing the value is increasing and so they have to adjust for that as well so you can see that happening and and i kind of like it because before when i was in the lower tier I, I would get by with you know whatever the number of animals let's say it was 30 right let's say 30 and i was producing all these animals that were like three four five hundred dollars i could get by on that tier but then all of a sudden i hit you know a jackpot and i hit, I hit two jackpots they're both male i don't need two two powerhouse males i'm going to sell one and that one male is like you know three thousand dollars now all of a sudden i have to change my tier just because of that one mail that i want to sell like it doesn't make any sense so so i think this is it's all good it's all good i think i think what they're doing is great i think you know cleaning up all those features making it simpler um you know all all the chats all the i want to see what they're doing with the social media side of it because they did say that the facebook and all that they don't allow sales right Or, or they frown upon it but they're gonna have a platform where where that is allowed and specifically for for selling animals. The only piece that I can't figure out is how do we draw new people into that platform that are not reptile people? Because before on Facebook, if I post a picture, a lot of people are not reptile people and they still see the picture because I made it public. Right. So how do we draw in new people into the hobby and let them see the awesome animals that we're creating on this new platform that's specifically for reptile people right like sure no no one else who who doesn't know about reptiles would come and join that if they didn't already like reptiles to begin with
0: yeah 100 100 so that's like i I don't think like some of those other like social media platforms would go away per se um like there would still be like a piece of that there but it I do think it would be kind of cool depending on the execution of it. And then like with kind of like with the way that like AI is like helping so much in the coding space and being able to build something like um, I'm quite sure they can build something that's pretty pretty robust and not have to have as many like coders and stuff on deck as they would have had to have like three four years ago and so like i feel like it's probably uh, some ground they can make up in that space so that was uh one of the interesting things to me too um in terms of like the social media platform the other thing that stood out to me too was like kind of like the husbandry like i know they have some functionality mm-hmm. in there right now yeah but um they don't really kind of have like all of the stuff that you really need to be like a true kind of like one-stop shop husbandry app. And so if they add some more of that stuff, I feel like for them as a company, that's going to be game 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 changing uh, considering like so many people are already on that platform on a daily basis. Cause I know for me, like, bro, it's it's crazy. Like I go to Morph market, probably way too much because sometimes I'll (laughs) open up my phone, bro. And I'm going somewhere else, but my thumbs will start typing Morph Market just because they're so used to it. They're like, oh, we put the phone in his hand. He must be going to Morph Market. And mm-hmm. it happens like all the time. Like, And so like that right there just speaks volume about like how much I log into that site. And I know I'm not the only one. And so like I feel like they're in a position to really capitalize in that space by virtue of so many people already. Uh, being there and then to have the payments in it too, like that's another thing that can be potentially game changer. Shout out to Daniel Oliver. I appreciate, appreciate the support, man. I really, really appreciate it. This is the way the Mandalorian, um, but yeah, they got the potential to, to make it game changing. So it'll be interesting to see like which way they go with it. even the wholesale aspect uh to have wholesale capability for accredited buyers or whatever they call them. Like uh that's a, that's an opportunity. So I'm definitely looking forward uh to seeing like where it goes. Like like every uh upgrade or like new feature that he was talking about in that video, like everyone intrigued me um to, to some level, to some degree. So it'll be interesting to see like kind of how it grows um in the coming years and coming months.
1: Yeah, coming coming years. Definitely, same same thing with me. I I I agreed that I agree with all the updates that they wanted to make. Um, and, and like you said, it's really going to be up to execution because they were all great ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, with with the husbandry, with the breedings, the projects, you know, the clutches, like all that stuff where we can track um, parent and lineage, they're working on it. You can see that there's already some features in there where you can put in your breeders. Um you can plan out plan out the uh the pairings and things like that. That's one of the reasons why I'm hesitant to get onto um, husbandry pro or or clutch uh, nothing against them i I didn't use them so I, I I don't have anything to critique but with my you know two decades in the technology field um, and now the last two years working as an analyst, like I, I work with data a lot, right? And so data is like data is the key. Like yeah. whoever has the data is is going to be the one you go to. And right now, Morph Market has so much more data than the other two um, the other two applications. Now, yeah. given given the other two applications are solely focused. On you know the, the husbandry and the projects and, and the pairings and, and keeping track of the animals, they're solely focused on that. But what happens? Like just just imagine what would happen if Morph Market had the same capabilities. I think that we would all funnel into Morph Market.
0: I think so too. <laughs> right, I couldn't even lie.
1: <laughs> right, because because. If you think about it, if I have like one of those applications and I put all my pairings in there, then I have to do it again into Morph Market just so that my customers can see what the lineage of that animal that I'm trying to sell. Um, I, I know there's capabilities in, in both of those app, other applications where you can export it, you can send that data to your other person. But What but if what it's happened, already there? But 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 if I have husband, husband view Pro, and you have Clutch. There's no API right now that allows right. us to send data to each other through right. through across that application. Um, and if everybody's funneling to Morph Market to sell their animals anyway, why do you? Why would I? For me, like it doesn't make sense for me to have half of my data in one of these applications and then all my sales in a different app. I would want them all together in one application. Yeah so yeah, that's
0: exactly where i was going with it it's like you're already there yeah so if they've got like that same functionality it's it's going to be a hard sell to have your stuff elsewhere right because right. why would you go through all those extra steps like
1: yeah and yeah. i don't
0: mean that it's like disrespect because like right now um all my data is in Husbandry Pro, and I and I love Husbandry Pro, and I've I've said that many times on the show, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, one of the reasons why I'm not tracking a lot of stuff in morph Market is just because it doesn't have like all the functionality I need. But not yet. If it did,
1: if it did, <laughs> exactly. it's Like,
0: oh,
1: I mean, I would I would love to see all three of those kind of work in unison and concert. You know, maybe there's like an API where like whatever you put in Husbandry Pro can that automatically be, be ported into Morph Market. I think that, that would be dope. great. But of course, like these are separate entities. They're all gonna want to play chicken with each other to see who wins. Like, you know, it's like it's like a merger, you know. Uh, unless they can build up a partnership, it would be like a merger. Somebody has to eat the other person.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so it, maybe be they can interesting.
0: come to some sort of agreement. But yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see how all that plays out. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and whoever merges with Morph Market first is probably going to win if Morph Market doesn't just build everything in itself.
0: Yeah. 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 100%. I agree, bro. Uh, yeah, 100%. There was,
1: there was some – somebody, I forget who it was, um, had this concern. Um, because, because you know, Clutch Clutch is a sponsor of some some of these shows – um, Morph Market is a sponsor of some of these shows, and somebody had both Canova and Morph Market as their sponsor. Oh, word! So they both Canova
0: and Morph Market or Clutch and Morph, Morph Market.
1: Well, Clutch is? By Canova.
0: Yeah, I know. Right. and, so, and like so, with some other folks too.
1: Yeah. So 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 Canova so is affiliated with Clutch. Right. Right. And so uh, there was a the question like, it, 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 is this? Is there? a conflict of interest in having both as your sponsor because now there's an overlap with what they what they're trying to do right they're both competing for the, the same not not exactly the same but there's an overlap they're both competing for a segment of the market yeah so when i heard that i was like oh i wonder who's gonna win and then that kind of got me spinning into like well it really depends on who has the data and Mark market has the data <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's another thing that I would like for Morph Market to offer is like the data to other people. But maybe they hold up, maybe they just keep holding it close to the vest as like a leverage tool. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: What do you mean offer to other people? Offer like,
0: what? Uh,
1: like which, right what kind now, of
0: data? right now, say again?
1: Like what kind of data do you think it would be advantageous to offer to other people?
0: Like right now they got like track, they can track like all the sales data. So you can, you can, in theory, you can look and say, Hey, over X amount of time, uh, pie jeans sold, it was this amount and they sold at this price or at least this listed price. That's not necessarily the price that the customer paid. And so they've got all of that. And so you, you can see kind of all those trends and stuff like that. And so there could be some use cases for that data, for that data.
1: Yeah, they're, I don't think they're going to offer it um, like just just to hobbyists um, and little businesses. I, I think most people might not really even know what to do. Like I'm an analyst now, so I can probably go through it. And, and before this job, I, was, I, I had some like data mining experience. So I can probably go through it, but like not a lot of people actually has the background to analyze data. Um, oh, oh, funny thing. Before before I dive, dive too deep into that, uh, I learned as an analyst that I can take the same set of data and manipulate it to help you prove a point or to negate you. Like the same set of data, which is really interesting, right? Like it's it's the same data. I just transform it to support right. you or to negate you. I, it, it's it's really it, it kind of blew me away because there were there were studies i mean like like even recently that one guy um what's his name liam liam who did like
0: oh to do with uh
1: the racks racks. versus enclosures yeah yeah so when he said oh there's data to support this and in my mind i'm like i'm gonna need to see that data Like, I, I don't know, I like, I mean, I'm not saying he's manipulating the because the data could have already been transformed to him. Like he, somebody already like analyzed it and then gave it to him maybe, maybe. But, but it's just funny that like my, my mindset is different now just because yeah. I can manipulate the data and, and have two completely different perspectives. Yeah, hundred uh, oh, 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 percent. That's one of the reasons data.
0: why I haven't even spoke on it that much is because to be honest, I, I haven't looked at the data that he's looked at and I haven't done like a respectable amount of like research and fact checking and comparing different things to like really have like as educated of an opinion on it as mm-hmm. I feel like I would need to, to kind of come out for or against what he said. So I, to be honest, I've kind of like sat on the sideline with it a lot, of, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any specific thoughts about that? Or are you kind of doing the same?
1: Um, I, I, I have some thoughts on it. I, I, I found his presentation to be very interesting and, and somewhat helpful. Um, but I know I kind of sidetracked it. Let's go back to, to, <laughs> to what, can you just re-ask that question earlier from earlier?
0: Which one was it? Uh, we got it, sidetracked for sure.
1: Yeah, I got sidetracked because I, because we start talking about data and then I wanted to tell you that I can take the same data and, and turn it into different ways. But, but what was the question? What, what were we trying to answer?
0: So we were talking about Morph Market and yeah. the new functionality they offer, and how if uh, oh oh if why they would they offering...
1: offer it offer to other people? Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I I know that just just speaking to John um, prior to his most recent announcement, he it didn't sound like he was going to offer it. Um, certainly, if there was a need, he would be open to possibly you know. Exporting that data depending on what you, what you needed if there was a true need, but what he wanted to do with that data is You know, obviously we know how many pies are sold. He knows how many pies are sold He knows the prices that they were sold at um, and he can break it down to you know Orange dream pies yellow belly pies yellow belly entry pies yellow belly orange dream and pies and what the costs were all, He has all the historical data what he was going to do um, At the time when I was speaking to him He was going to, in the price field, in the price field or next to the price field, there was going to be a suggested price based on historical data.
0: Yeah, that's what actually where I was about to go with it. Not the suggested price functionality, but just like a a use case for the data. It's just like looking at like very recent data of like current prices. So instead of having to click through and figure out like, hey, how much are people pricing this at? Like you can just look at the data and say, hey, this is where I want to be. But go ahead. Sorry to cut you off.
1: Right, but he, he, he wasn't even going to have you look at the data. He was just going to analyze it. Yeah. yeah, and spoon feed it to you so that you can probably see, like, it, once you put in your animal, you know, whether it's a hatchling or a breeder or whatever, and you put in the genetic traits that it has, um, when you get to the part where it asks for price, he was going to suggest a price, or at least give you a range, right? Like the lowest one sold for 500 and the most expensive one sold for 750 like he was going to give you a range or something like that. At least give you some kind of idea where your price should fall.
0: I like that. So, and maybe y'all didn't get into like the details of how that suggested price would be calculated. But is it going to factor in sex? And is it going to factor in kind of like.
1: Well, he has all that data. Prices? He has all that data. So yes, yeah, so I would
0: imagine he would
1: use he it. He would. Yeah, I think yeah. he would use it. I mean, um, because,
0: like, a, a Dream Circle female now versus a Dream Circle female, like, three years ago might be a different mm-hmm. price. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, we could do so much with the data. I mean, we can, we can, like I said, I'm an analyst now, so I know we can do a lot. I mean, we don't have to look at it from, from the beginning of time. You know, he could just look at it from six months ago. Yeah. Right, and, and then just give you a suggested price or at least a suggested range. I don't know if he's still going to do that with the change of ownership now, but um, – but, yes, yeah, c- certainly I just wanted to touch on that because, like, just to explore that that example that you gave a little bit more.
0: That's dope. Um, yeah, that would be re- – maybe, maybe they'll still come out with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. You know, th- okay. they have a suggestion box or, or support email, so if enough of us want it and we ask for it, they're going to see a need. Yeah. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, you know
0: the people have spoken we can send yeah. them a clip of this too mm-hmm. <laughs> the people have spoken all right bro so we're coming up on two hours man the time is flown like i, I didn't even realize we had been on it for two hours so that's what's up yes yeah, so that lets me know a good conversation right there before i let you get out of here and enjoy the rest of your night i do have some wrap-up questions for you oh no, oh, no. <laughs> And so these are kind of random questions. And so the first one is, if you could live anywhere in the world,
1: where would it be and why? Anywhere in the world? I haven't traveled enough to know where I really want to go. I did hear that, well, actually, I went to Costa Rica on a work-related okay. trip. Um, and this was many, many years ago. Like, we, we went. It was a work-related trip. It just came up suddenly. I went there. Um, and I went there to work. I went there. I was in meetings. I was talking to the team, trying to get them, you know, understanding of what this project meant for the company. Because the project was going to be uh, a third of the company's revenue. So it was a very big project, right? And we had like, I don't know, 20 clients. But this one client that we have, it was going to be a third of, the, of, of the, <laughs> the revenue. So I went there to work and I worked my ass off. And it was a, it was like a two-day business trip to, to that branch in Costa Rica. I took one picture out of a taxi cab. It was kind of like their Uber, right? I took one picture and I posted on Facebook. And everyone in the Philadelphia office, that's, that's the office that I, was, that I was supposed to work at, that I always go to, mm-hmm. they were furious. They thought I took a vacation. Just off of one picture out of a cab. They thought I was on vacation. They were like, oh, we couldn't find you. Like, you, you weren't coming to our meetings and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, y- you could have just sent me an email. You didn't even set up a meeting with me. I was here working the entire time in Costa Rica trying to make sure that everyone's on board, to, to that we have the staff and properly staff the team in order to take on the application, to take on the project and build the application. So yeah so, so they were furious but my time there was fantastic they call it a slice of heaven um but and again this was several years ago now recently another coworker went for actual vacation not for a business trip and they said like they, they sent me pictures i mean the, the picture like there, there was these mountains and cliffs and these hotels are, are built on these mountains they're overhanging it was like what you see in, in movies and, and advertisement where there's a pool that is like hanging in the middle of the air. And you can dive in and you basically look down the cliff. It was like this clear. I mean, it's beautiful. So nice. based on my limited travel experience, I, I would have to say Costa Rica.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That's what's up. And a, nice, and a nice story to go along with it. That's dope. Yeah, that's funny. They thought you was on, vac- on vacation.
1: <laughs> one picture. Just one picture. They were furious. They were furious. I, I, and it's funny because I came back. I, I went on this trip with my VP, okay? Like, I was a director. Um, I had my manager. I had another colleague that was the same level of director and our VP and our senior VP, okay? So, like, there's, like, six of us, I think, all went. To, to Costa Rica um, on a business trip. When I came back, all those people were furious and they complained to my <laughs> VP and to my senior VP. And they, and, they, and those guys were like, shut up. He was working with us. I was there.
0: <laughs> we're all on vacation. <laughs> all right, bro. So next one. So if you have dinner with any three people, Dead or alive? Who would it be, and
1: why? Oh, oh, my God! Dead or alive? Never really thought about this. Uh, you ever watch those movies where like people go back in time, and then and then everybody says, you know, it's a bad idea, you know, because you're going to change history, or 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 you might find out something history and, and change the future, blah blah blah. Um, yeah. So. Obviously, if if I could have dinner or, or or have a meal with somebody that was dead, I may I may change history or, or at least find something else. So I I don't think I would want to do too much in that area. I I I I know that when I was in college, I took a class in Shakespeare, and I learned something about William Shakespeare that um, that he might be he might be gay, okay, and. And until now, like nobody really knows if he if his sexuality, whether he was straight or gay, he did have a family um so for some reason, I was very curious at that time if what what his sexuality was and also I read that at that time it was it was kind of taboo to be gay mm-hmm. but then there's all these literature or or not literature, but evidence of an older official having a younger partner, but they just called it like a partner, like somebody that he works with, like a staff, right? So I think I think, just to satisfy my curiosity, I would have a conversation with William Shakespeare to see and just settle once and for all, Bro, what, what the was hell was going on back there, man? <laughs> <laughs> what was going on at that time? Uh, so that's one. Um, again, I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm in the STEM field. I just want to satisfy my curiosity. Um, I don't know. I, I can't pick a name um, for the second person, but it would be someone who was involved in building the pyramids. Okay. For, for obvious reasons. But how the hell did you build it? That, that's all I want to know. That's it and, and I probably would just keep that if i if I found out I would just keep it close to my chest. I don't want to change things the presently, you know um let's see who else uh this is hard maybe jesus and okay. and i don't I don't really need to have a conversation with him. I just want to look at him. I just want to see what color he is, his complexion that's all. <laughs> That's it.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So the next one, bro. If you won $10 million tomorrow, how would you invest it?
1: Can I get those in ones? <laughs> no, no, no.
0: <laughs> it's going to take you a while to spend those, bro.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if I put that into an account, I would be accruing interest and spending it. So it would be just a continuous flow yeah you know, passive income is what we call it right? um i mean right right now right now the, the the investing in property is is kind of tough right now but i mean i, I would probably find my way to do it you know I've, I've always wanted to like we have some property but they're just single units um and i heard that the really the real way to do it if you want to invest in property is to purchase a multi-unit building like with eight units or 10 units or 12 units whatever yeah um and then so that's probably what i want to do what i would do if i had the opportunity not all of it though i'll put some away you know in the trust fund um what, what do we call it what do we call it when it be generational wealth right to, to have that genera- generational wealth for the kids and pass that on for grandkids and future generations. Uh, put them away. I'm getting all serious now, man. This is. <laughs> hey, of course, do, of course, I want to buy some steaks. There we go, there we go. You said some, some snakes? Yeah, man. I will okay. buy some steaks. First steak. I said some steaks. I do was ho- like, wait, what? Do... What, what? Some what?
0: <laughs> some steaks. I thought that's what you said <laughs> at first. I was like, wait, what?
1: <laughs> maybe. Maybe I, I said that. I, I, I did just eat a couple for dinner. So, so yeah, maybe I said that. Operating slip there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if I had that much money, obviously I wouldn't want to work. I would want to do something that doesn't feel like work. And, and, you know, keeping and breeding these animals certainly doesn't feel like work. It feels like just feels like heaven, man.
0: If you do get some steaks, though, you got to pull up in Texas, man. I can't even remember the name of the restaurant, but I was in um, Arlington, and, I man, I had the best steak of my life.
1: Really, what, what, what was it about it? What was about that steak,
0: bro? It was just so like juicy and flavorful, bro. I got like a ribeye cooked medium. Ooh. I think it was a bone-in ribeye too. Mm. And so you know, like when the bone, the bone-in ribeye, that's just extra flavor, but It was so damn good, bro.
1: Extra juicy, just yeah. right around the bone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Actually, yeah I see. Yeah, so definitely, man. I can't. I can't wait to go back to Texas.
1: All right. Alright, good to know definitely.
0: So my favorite cut of steak is, is ribeye for sure. Like me too. Hands down. Daniel Oliver asked me, uh, what's the best cut? Hands down ribeye for me. What's your favorite cut of steak? Ribeye,
1: man. Ribeye. Yeah, I mean, it used you got to be, to, like, used to be to, a T-bone bro. until Say I it? found out it used to be a T-bone. Because a T-bone is 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 one side is, is something. One side is fillet
0: side is, and like one side is strip.
1: Yeah, one side is a strip. And and it used to be that. Um until I found out about the ribeye. And then I was like, oh, why was I not eating this before? So, yeah, definitely ribeye. It, it is a little fatty, though. I got I got to admit, it, it doesn't help. That's where the flavor come in. <laughs> it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't help with the health. But it tastes really good going down.
0: It's at least got to taste good going down. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah man, yeah, ribeye, yeah. hands down. It's not even close. Not yeah, even my, close.
1: My, my wife was like, why don't you cut out the fat? And I said, YOLO. <laughs> that was my response. And that was it. She just she just like gave me a bad look and then just like yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> Alright, so uh what's one question you wish I would have asked you and how would you have answered it?
1: Ooh. You know, I mean I'm my my mind right now is, is fixated on, on these animals on, on reptiles. So the only thing that comes to mind is I wish you asked me what my next purchase was gonna be. Or uh, what what I hope my next be? I don't know man, I gotta go take my yoga class. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, it's it's like what, it's like ten o'clock and nobody, nobody has yoga class. Um I'm actually getting into dwarf retakes
0: oh okay that's what yeah
1: dwarf, dwarf retakes, and what I want specifically is a super phantom dwarf retake, which is a leucistic snake it's all white with blue eyes so it's a it's essentially it's a bell, but it's it's a it's a retake and the reason is I already have a what is it called? Oh my god, these names! These names. Um, orange ghost stripe. Super dwarfy Oh, they
0: have an orange ghost, in know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's called orange. Yes. superdorf It's called orange ghost stripe, not just ghost. It does. It doesn't really have the ghost look like like our ball pythons. Um, it's it's got an orangish color and it's got a stripe down the back. That's, I think, what gives it the name orange ghost stripe. I have no idea why the word ghost is in there. It doesn't, I I don't know. Maybe it fades it out a little bit. I don't know. But it's interesting because the orange ghost stripe is a recessive mutation. All right. The phantom is a codon mutation. But somehow
0: Orange ghost stripe is one mutation.
1: It's one mutation, but it's recessive. So you need two copies of it. Two copies of it. Mm -hmm. Phantom is a codon. Right. So if you have a super phantom, that's two copies of Phantom. But it's a codom because one copy shows some difference. Mm-hmm. And then the, the two of them, it's kind of like lesser, right? You have lesser and then you have super lesser, which makes it True. a bell. True. Um, actually, actually, it's just like Phantom in ball pythons, because we have Phantom as well. Um, but what's interesting in the retake is even though one is a codom and one is a recessive there is an allelic reaction between those. So what happens when you get a phantom het orange ghost stripe is the animal, when it catches out, it's completely white, just like a bell. But as it grows, it starts to get spots. It starts to get black spots. So you, okay. end, up, you end up with a white snake with black patches. Oh, that's dope. Have you heard of the cow retake? That's the
0: cow, right? That's the yeah. cow, man. Okay. That's the cow. Yeah.
1: So it's, I don't, I, I think Garrett Hurdle is the only one that has done it um, correctly, where, where it's at least 50% super dwarf blood. So, so in, in the retick world, if you want to consider an animal to be dwarf or super dwarf, it has to have at least 50%. You have to be able to trace 50% of that bloodline to dwarf or super dwarf in order to consider it a dwarf or super dwarf. Otherwise, it's just considered mainland. Um, So Garrett has done it. I think he made a pair, a male and a female, cow, super dwarf, retics. And yes, money is not the motivational driver here. Um, We can have a conversation about why I want to do this. But just for, for, for interest, for entertainment, guess how much he sold that animal for. A Cal Superdork
0: retake. 40K?
1: Oh, you're so generous. I think it was 20. 20? Yeah, it was 20.
0: <laughs> so you saying guess made me want to just go high. <laughs> uh, yeah. 20, okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons we want to do it is to add value to the hobby, right? Because there's not a lot of – there's a lot of people who may want a retake, number one, but – the mainland, the, the size kind of throws people off. Right? Sure. It, they, everybody hears that it's going to grow 16, 18 feet. I mean, they might not. A lot of them probably won't get that big. But there's potential to get that big. And so I think that puts people off. So if we're able to create the same thing, but in a much smaller size, that's going to draw more people into the hobby and give right. people the opportunity to have a beautiful animal that they want and be able to keep them in a relatively maintainable um, size. Yeah, that makes sense. That
0: makes sense. We can't even have retics in Florida now.
1: Ah, yeah, I know. You got to (laughs) move.
0: Yeah. You got to move.
1: And and you can telecommute, so you can move anywhere.
0: This is true, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, 100%. Yeah, we got folks that work with me, Um, not to get too far off the topic. uh, But yeah, we got folks in... In on the West Coast, we got folks in the Midwest. We got folks all over the place. So, yeah, we definitely geographically dispersed. So, it gives you that opportunity. Yeah, cool. All right, guys. So, bro, this has been amazing, bro. It's been great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time uh to come on the show, man, and chat with us. Man. It really means a lot. Like I said, I was looking forward to this all week. Definitely looking forward to picking your brain. Is there anything that you want to um, uh, tell uh, the listeners about what's on debt for Lucas Landon or things to keep an eye out for?
1: Oh, it's going to be a sad story. I don't know if you guys are ready for it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It, everything's good. Um, I, I have, I've been away from YouTube for a while, just taking a break, but I'll be back on there with, you know, new and interesting projects, probably change up the format a little bit. Okay. Um, Again, it's all part of just with with the change in times, just adapting, adjusting um, with with the way social media is going. So uh, yeah, everything everything's good. Um, I want to take this time to thank everyone here for coming, for watching this, and if you're watching uh, this on replay, you know, make sure you give it a like, give it a thumbs up, comments. Um, again, just thanks, Mike, for having me. I enjoyed it, and uh, hope to hope to come back someday.
0: Yes, sir. Yeah, definitely want to catch up for round two and definitely everybody in the chat, man. Plus one on the thanks, man. Uh, thanks to everybody who took the time out of the day to come hang out with us live. Thanks to those who catch the replay later on. Thanks to all the Audio-only listeners. Thanks to everyone for the support. Uh, Don't forget to show the channel some love. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. If you're not subscribed, definitely hit that notification bell. Make sure you follow Kai. Uh, Like I said, his links are in the description of this video, so make sure you go out and follow if you're not already following, and show some love. Appreciate all the support. Definitely be sure to check us out next week and check out all the podcasts that we got. Um, really appreciate everybody coming out Can, can you hang back for a sec no problem yes sir so thank you everyone again thank you for coming out be blessed peace